Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, has anybody seen that commercial? Oh, man, I, I love Geico commercials. I love Geico commercials. They, 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 they crack me up, especially these. And... For those of you who don't know, and, and actually that one was kind of in honor of Valentine's Day, because I know that's kind of a bittersweet day for some folks. So, uh, but the announcer, and there's his picture right there, his name is Bruce Buffer, and they, they mentioned that in, in, the, in the commercial. That's right. How many of you are UFC fans? You, know, you you can admit it in church. It's okay. I, I've I've watched UFC occasionally, and you know, and it's 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 kind of brutal. It's a little bit more than boxing, and and uh, you know, but um, but he is the official octagon announcer for UFC events. He is introduced on the broadcast as the veteran voice of the octagon, and his catchphrase is it's time! Right? I, I practiced a few times. And that's, that's his announcement before the main event of all the UFC fight nights. So anyway, that, it's, maybe you think I'm going to go to hell now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I'm continuing our series this morning in the Gospel of Mark. And if you remember last week, we left Jesus where he had just been baptized in water and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Well, he's there for 40 days and then he comes out of the wilderness. And, you know, some people went into the wilderness and never came out. But Jesus came out of the wilderness and he was victorious over everything that the devil had thrown at him. And according to what we read in Scripture and what the scholars say, this effectively launched Jesus' earthly ministry. Whenever he came out of the wilderness, you know, I, I like to think of him kind of as this fire-breathing, you know, like he, he's ready because he, he's, he's faced the devil and everything that he had to throw at him, and he's ready to go out and accomplish what he was sent to earth to do. And this is what Mark says in chapter 1, verse 14. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So the title of my message this morning is, It's Time! Was that loud enough? Yeah. Now, I mentioned a little bit about this last week. Prior to Jesus' baptism, nobody really knew who He was. Now, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells a story about how Jesus went with His parents to Jerusalem. You remember that story? He's 12 years old. And somehow, He got separated from His parents and He winds up in the temple. You remember? And He's in there and He's talking with the scholars of His day. And they're amazed at this kid's Wisdom and understanding of Scripture and of, of the nature of God and theology and all the things that they were talking about. Well, that story continues that his parents found him and they went back to Galilee where he was raised. And so for another 18 years, we don't hear anything from Jesus in Scripture. And... That's because it was not yet His time to be revealed to Israel. And as the saying goes, timing is everything. And at the time the New Testament was being written, the writers used a type of language that was commonplace in Europe and in Asia, in the Middle East. It was called Koine Greek. You know, the Greeks conquered most of the known world, and so what happens whenever you're conquered? You have to learn their language. And so they, the conquerors were Greek. They taught everyone how to speak Greek. And then they had this version of Greek called Koine, which was really street Greek, common Greek, the kind of Greek that you speak whenever you're talking to one another. Well, one cool thing about the Greek language, is that it's really expressive. Like, in, the, in our language, it was Valentine's Day, we have one word for love, don't we? It's love. Well, in Greek, there's actually six words that explain the various kinds of love. Because, you know, we know, like, well, I love chicken fried steak. Well, that's not quite the same as, well, I love my wife. At least it shouldn't be. <laughs> but in the Greek language, there were, there were actually six types. There was agape. That's the one that we, we talk about, Christian brotherhood. And there was eros, which is sexual kind of love. And then there was ludus, which was a playful kind of love, almost like flirting. And then there was philatia, which was called self-love. You know, you need to love yourself. And then philia, which was deep friendship. That's not quite love, but it is kind of love on that scale. And then there was one that was called pragma, which was a long-standing, committed love like you have in a long-term relationship. Now, in Scripture, there are two Greek words that are used to explain and differentiate between categories of time. The first word is the word chronos. And I thought you might think this is interesting. It means chronological time. 
sequential time. Time is constantly moving, right? You know, every moment, every second, every day, it just, just continues. Whether, whether you do anything about it or not, it's constantly moving. And we can think of it kind of like, how many of you used to watch the old soap opera, Days of Our Lives? As the hours, or the sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Remember that statement? Or that, that, that phrase that was kind of the thing that came on and, you know, it, well, I, I guess everybody was working so you didn't, didn't watch soap operas. But in, in that case, Kronos was basically time without the drama. The second use, the second word in Greek that was used for time is the word kairos. And that word kairos refers to the opportune time or place, the right or appropriate time to say or do the right or appropriate thing. It's strategic, it's calculated, and it's purposeful. And I like to think of of Kairos like this. You know, you could, how many of you, well, you know, I, I like what, to watch football. Well, sometimes, you know, the, the game goes along and you might have a blowout in the game and it's just kind of a matter of just letting the time run out. But if your favorite NFL team is lined up with the New England Patriots and you know if you've got a four point lead going into the fourth quarter, that you don't want them to have to kick the ball back to the Patriots because Tom Brady will be the quarterback. And Tom Brady is the most successful, and, and i gotta, got to say, I'm not a Brady fan by any stretch of the imagination. I was hoping Lindsey was going to be in here because Lindsey is a, is a big Patriots fan and she really likes Tom Brady. But Tom Brady just won his sixth Super Bowl. I mean, that's unprecedented. Terry Bradshaw, one of my favorites, won four. And Joe Montana won four. Tom Brady's won six. And so, by all intents and purposes, he's the greatest NFL quarterback that's ever played the game. That's what, that's what they say. I don't like to say it. It's kind of one of those things I don't like to come out of my mouth. But I, I, you, you have to admit it, whenever there's, there's two minutes left in the game, the game is on the line, you want Brady to be your quarterback because he's going to be able to do more in two minutes of time than anybody else who's ever played the game will ever be able to do. And that's the essence of Kairos, that critical time whenever it counts, when it means something. And that, consequently, that's why he's a millionaire, because he has played the game so well, especially in the last two minutes of the game. Make sense? That, that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Kairos. Now, Jesus spoke Aramaic. It was the Jewish language of the day. And when he refers to the time promised by God, it was actually translated into the Greek as kairos. It was the appropriate time for the appropriate thing. The strategic, calculated, and purposeful time that God would reveal His eternal purposes to mankind. And it would be ridiculous for anybody else to say, Hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who's to come. 
because they had no authority and had, had no power to make anything happen that would confirm that what they said was true. Jesus was the only one with the authority to make it happen. And in Mark's Gospel, he cites the arrest of John the Baptist as a way to say that John had fulfilled his purpose. He had successfully prepared the way of the Lord and proclaimed Jesus' coming. And in the Gospel of John, he records John the Baptist saying that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And why was that? Because Jesus' time had come. Now, here in the vineyard, we talk quite a bit about the kingdom of God or uh, God's rule and reign. And you'll often hear me refer to a guy by the name of George Eldon Ladd. He was a former professor of New Testament exegesis and theology at Fuller Theological Seminary. And his writings heavily inform our ideas and concepts of kingdom theology in the vineyard. And in his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, I, I think we, a few of you took the, that course whenever we had it a few, a few months back. He wrote this about the plan of God. The biblical, biblical idea of the kingdom of God is deeply rooted in the Old Testament and is grounded in the confidence that there is one eternal living God who has revealed Himself to men and who has a purpose for the human race which He has chosen to accomplish through Israel. And one thing we need to understand is that Jesus understood His place in that story. And He knew that He came to fulfill God's purposes in the world And as the Gospel of Mark says, after Jesus returned from the wilderness and John the Baptist had had been arrested, he announced, It's time! The kingdom of God is here. Repent for your sins and believe the good news. The kairos, the strategic time of the kingdom, had come. But there was a problem. The Jews understood the gospel or the kingdom of God to be a metaphysical future realm where God was in full control. There would be no sickness in this realm. There would be no death. There would be no oppression. There would be peace and justice for everyone. God was king and He ruled with justice and peace. And they understood that kingdom would be revealed at the end of time when the age to come was made present. The Messiah would usher them into this new age to come, which was at the end. George Ladd describes their idea of the kingdom of God with this little graph. I I like visuals, so... But if you look here, see on the end over there, that stands for creation. And then it says this age and this age, the age to come. The P stands for the parousia, the coming of the Messiah. And the R stands for the resurrection. 
So they understood the timeline to look like this. That when the Messiah come, it would be the end. This, we, we would be ushered into the glorious kingdom of God in the new age to come, and everything would be right with, with the universe. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come, nothing perceptible had changed. People were still sick and dying. The Romans were still in control and ruling over those who were in the region. And when Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, He was resisted and rejected by the Jewish leaders because they misunderstood the prophecy and the Scripture that proclaimed that that kingdom was coming. Luke's Gospel records Jesus speaking to them about this. In Luke chapter 12, verse 54, Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Well, here comes a shower. And you are right. And when the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools, you, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Now when Jesus came, is what we'll see here in the next few weeks, He healed the sick, He healed the blind, He healed the deaf, the lame. He drove out demons. He raised the dead and eventually rose from the dead Himself. But the Jewish leaders of His day didn't recognize it. The new age of the kingdom had actually broken in to this present age as a taste of what would come whenever Jesus came into His, his kingdom, when it was fully inaugurated. Now, unlike the, the people of, Jew, of, of Jesus' day, we have the benefit of 2,000 plus years of Christian history to help us see the conflict of the ages in a different light than was previously understood and taught. With the coming of Jesus, our timeline looks a little bit more like this. This age actually intersects with the age to come because Jesus brought it into the present. And some of you might think, oh, what's the big deal about that? In doing that, that's, that's why it was possible to heal. That's why it was possible to deliver. That's why it was possible to be raised from the dead because Jesus brought all that stuff in with Him. Now what I want us to see today is that Jesus proclaimed the good news. And in, in doing that, the future kingdom of God has broken in to this present age. This is what we've been waiting for. I mean, if we need a confirmation that Jesus is the person that we've been waiting for, the hope of all mankind, then we can just see from His story 
that He's the one that we've been looking for to save us. And Jesus also, just to, con- to confirm who He was, demonstrated the kingdom was present by performing signs and wonders and being resurrected from the dead. But the best part about that is that the kingdom is still here. We can participate in the kingdom of God now until Jesus returns. And that message, it still applies today. It's time! The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Now, I don't know how many of you saw it. I posted an article that I read. I read it yesterday. And it just really... It just captured my imaginations. And... uh, and I, I, it, it was it was in Charisma. It was in their 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 latest edition that just came out. But they were they were talking to the pastor who took over the Anaheim Vineyard. His name's Alan Scott. He came from from Ireland, and they were involved in in some some amazing stuff, some amazing revival, amazing move of God that they were they were part of and they were they were involved in and, and if you if you'd like to read that I've got it it's it's posted out to our group. But they were they were talking to him because he's he came to the United States and they've seen this revitalization going on in the in in the Anaheim Vineyard. This is an older church that's been fully established for many years. And in just recently when, with with their leadership, they've seen just just some amazing things. People getting saved, people getting healed, people being delivered, all kinds of stuff. And the thing about it is the fact that they're actually taking the kingdom outside of their their four walls. <laughs> Let them cry. It's okay. But I, I want to read to you what, and this is just a segment from the, the article that just, it, it, I was thinking about it, I got up in the middle of the night and I, I, I printed it off and I wanted to read it. In regard to the, the kingdom of God coming, Alan Scott was telling in, in the interview, start where you are. Most of you will be in your workplace and that's a place of kingdom expansion. God is at work. Uh, God, God is at work in our work, and you should recognize how you partner with Him. The super narrative of the is the recognition that work itself is holy and honorable to the Lord. Learning with Him in that area to say, "Okay, I'm just a barista today at Starbucks. What is the kingdom narrative that is unfolding here?" What is God doing through this workplace? And once that's done, the other main step to community charge is cultivating a servant's heart. Scott cautions against becoming the city's Pharisees, policing the city into a state of of faux holiness, and shaming people into forgiveness. Rather, he recommends adopting the Father's heart, speaking hope and life and compassion into the city's residents and praying for its ultimate restoration. 
We come as partners to the city, Scott says. We come with a servant's towel around our arm. We look to the needs and the dreams of the city and we learn how to unlock that together. I don't think it's a conquest thing. And when ordinary believers stop trying to do their own thing and lean into God, Scott believes that they'll be surprised at how much he's already doing in their city. The truth is, he's been working in our community all along, he says. And instead of trying to get him to do what we want to do, how about we just go to join him in what he's already doing? I told y'all it's the first part of this year and I felt like this year was going to be a year of growth. And part of growing is that, that we have to go outside of this building and share what we have with others. And the truth is, is that our, our society has developed this, it's almost like, a, like an insulator that they, they don't want to hear anything about the good news. You know, because of whatever political correctness or whatever, and they, they, they don't want to... It, it, it's somehow offensive to try to share your faith. But it's amazing how God can show up in, in some of the neatest, amazing encounters whenever we just allow God to lead us into, into these encounters. I mean, when was the last time that somebody came up to you, oh man, I got a headache... Or, you know, something's going on and, and, and you just allowed yourself just to... Can, can I pray for this situation? Can, can we just ask God to show up and, and just join us in this thing? I mean, this is the kind of stuff... If you read the article, this is the kind of stuff that's happening all over this guy's church. People just going out and just sharing the kingdom with the people they come in contact with. And see, the truth is, you guys go where I can't go. I go places where you can't go. But we take the kingdom with us when we go there. So we can call on the power of God at any time, at any situation, and expect Him to show up. That's what Jesus did. It's time. His kingdom is here. The Spirit has come. We have the anointing to go out in His name and share what we have with the world. So, I guess my... Well, there, there's a couple of things that I want to do this morning. Can we stand? I've been really conscious about this here lately. Um, if, there's, if, if there's someone that, that might be in our service that... Maybe you're on the fence with, with your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you, you're in a place where you've been distant with the Lord. I want to be careful to, to give you an opportunity to pray and ask, ask Jesus to come in and, and make things right. Because th that was the, the message. Repent and believe the good news. Turn your life around. Give your life to me. Trust me. And receive the kingdom. That was, his, that was his message. So if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know where I fit in this whole thing, I'd invite you to, to, to allow Jesus to share with you the peace and the joy that's available to you in, in repenting and making things right between you and Him.
And you don't have to make a big spectacle of it. You can just, right where you're at, if you, if you feel that way, Lord, forgive me for my sins and make me right with You. Restore my relationship to You so that, that, that I can experience Your peace right where I am today. And if you're here this morning and, and you... And I, I'm sure that there's, there's lots of folks that have, have thought, man, I, I want God to use me. I want God to, to use me to, to reach people, to reach my neighbors, to reach my coworkers. I, I want the Lord to use me. And maybe we're just a little timid about doing it. We're afraid that, you know, well, I, I don't know what to say or, or whatever. But we can, we can actually see the kingdom come just whenever, just when we take an opportunity just to pray for somebody, to just extend a word of, of, of peace, a word of, of, of hope to somebody. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be the, the 12 spiritual laws or whatever. It just can be just what, what comes to you, what the Lord gives you. And there, there may be folks here today that, that you, you, need, you need healing in your body. And maybe you're in a place where you, you've, you've like, ah, you know, I've heard all this stuff about being healed. I've heard all this stuff about, you know, and that might happen for everybody else, but it doesn't happen for me. Well, this is all part of the good news. Believe the good news that Jesus came to heal, deliver, and save. We sang about it this morning. He came to heal, deliver, and save. And He wants to do that in all of our lives. So if you're here this morning and any of this stuff, if you'd, if you'd just like for somebody to pray with you, I'll, I'll invite you to, to come to the front. And I know that, that's kind of scary for some folks. And, and uh, So if, if you're a person that... that that likes to pray for folks. Maybe you feel like the Lord is, is, is calling you to pray with somebody today. I just invite you to come forward and, and just be here to pray with anybody that comes. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come here in this room and just move in us. Lord, we, we want to be available to what you're doing. We want to make ourselves available. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you're you're dealing with a physical a physical thing and and maybe only you know about it, or maybe maybe several people know about it, I'd invite you to come. The, the, the Spirit's been here today. I don't know if you if, if you felt it, but during our worship, the Spirit was moving and He He hasn't left. He's still here and He wants to heal, He wants to save, He wants to deliver. So if you're here and, and you, you would like prayer, I just invite you to come. Holy Spirit, come and have your way.